welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, friends, and welcome to Awaken. My name is Micah, and uh, for our call to worship this morning, I want to invite you into a process uh, that happens for me every single week when I sit down to write a sermon. Uh, I begin this way. So um, if you would entrust yourself to me just for a moment, uh, if you want to close your eyes and just take a couple of deep breaths. And when I sit and I write, uh, I usually just play uh, a, a playlist of music that doesn't have any words. And as I begin, I hold out my hands and I just say, I surrender. So if you would imagine whatever it is that you've brought into this place, whether it's joy or sorrow, anxiety, wonder, just invite you to imagine that in your hands in front of you. Kids, you can do this as well. In whatever way you know how, with as much faith as you have today, in your own words, invite you to just say, I surrender. God, thanks for this time. We're, we're glad that you're here. Would you join me in standing and let's sing together this morning as we begin. Well, uh, welcome to you. Again, my name is Micah. I'm one of the pastors here at Awaken. Really glad that you're with us. Um, Before we jump in, a couple of things we want to let you know about. Uh, First of which is if you are new, uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. We'd love to know that you were here. So in the seat pockets in front of you or online, halfway down our homepage, you can click a little button there that says I'm new. Fill that out. Somebody from our team will reach out and invite you to a beverage of your choice. Uh, We can get to know you. You can get to know us a little bit. Um, If you have tithes and offerings uh, this morning, those cards as well as tithes and offerings can go in the black boxes at each of the exits. There's a bunch of different ways you can give. There's a QR code, I guess, in the pews. You can scan that thing too. So all that uh, we're grateful for. Um, it's Mel's last day. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, Melody is transitioning for out of this role into uh, the next journey of her vocational life, which we're excited about. Bittersweet for us, but we're excited for that. Um, so if you have time afterwards, I invite you to stick around downstairs. There's a little gathering to celebrate Mel. Um, so join us for that. Um, Mondays with Micah is happening. We've had a couple of these, so the second and fourth Mondays to the men of Awaken, I'm inviting you to join me for breakfast. Uh, This coming Monday, tomorrow, we'll be at Day by Day Cafe in St. Paul, so 7 o'clock if you're available. Join me for that and a group of other folks. I think we had like 20 guys last time, so the wait staff there was uh, really glad we came, (laughs) sort of. Worship in the park is next week, uh, Labor Day, September the 3rd, so we will not be here. We'll be at Highland Park Pavilion at 10.30, so bring a lunch, join us for that. And then uh, September the 10th, the week after, we will go back to two gatherings, uh, 9 and 10.30, so pay attention to that, mark your calendars. 
And last but not least, the fall retreat registration is up and open. So very excited about that. Very excited. That's happening at Covenant Pines, um, September 29 to October 1. So we've got the prime weekend in the fall. Uh, if you have questions about that or you want a, uh, more information about it, you can contact us, Jenna, myself, or any of our staff, and we can tell you more. But hope to see you there for that. Sound good? Okay. The Awaken Weekly goes out every week. If you don't subscribe to that, I highly recommend it. All the details of everything is always in there. So uh, we are in the book of Nehemiah. We've been there for like eight weeks now, and we've got about three more uh, in this series on Nehemiah. Last week, we found the people having completed the work of building the wall. So Ezra tells the story of the temple. Nehemiah tells the story of rebuilding a wall around the city of Jerusalem. So the temple and the wall are complete, and the people gathered for worship. And so last week, we saw that they were asking for the word be read, that the presence of God be in their midst. The learned and wise among them translated and interpreted what was, what was being heard. And I, I invited us to think about the church gathered as a collection of wisdom and learnings to offer one another. And then finally, uh, there was a feast. Nehemiah said, listen, there have been days for mourning and grieving. This is not one of them. Today we feast. And so they throw a feast and everyone is included, right? Nobody is left out. There's a seat for everybody at the table. Today we find them deeply engaged in a couple of questions like, who is God and what is God like? And like, how did we get here? Um, we're going to read just the first eight verses of chapter nine to kind of give us an on-ramp into this chapter, uh, and then we'll sort of fill it out. So, uh, Joy will be reading our text. If you are able, I'd invite you to stand in body or in spirit and uh, for the reading of the word, chapter 9 of Nehemiah. On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners they stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. Standing on the stairs of the Levites were eight leaders. They cried out with loud voices to the Lord their God. And the Levites, of whom there were eight, said, Stand up! And praise the Lord your God, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. You are the Lord God, who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Jebusites, and Girgashites. You have kept your promise because you are righteous. Join me in prayer. God, we gather this morning as your church, and as always, it's my hope and prayer that um, we would awaken, that our eyes would be opened and our ears would be opened, that our hearts would be open to the movement of your spirit in our midst. So, uh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to the degree that we can do that work uh, in us and among us and um, for the name of and for the sake of the gospel in our hearing and in our generation. 
in our world, we pray. In the strong name of Christ and the church said together, amen. You may be seated. Uh, This morning, I'm going to split the teaching into two parts. This will be a little different than normal, so we'll make a few observations about chapter 9. We'll come to the table in Eucharist, and then I have one final thing I want to say at the end of that. Uh, A little bit of background before we jump in so you get a sense of chapter 9. You heard just the beginnings of that, and really what's happening in chapter 9 is the recounting and the retelling of the story of Israel. Um, you know, this question of, like, how did we get here, right? Nehemiah and the people, they're back in the city. They're back where they, uh, their, their grandmothers and their grandfathers, their aunties and their uncles lived and worshipped God in the temple in Jerusalem. They've made their way back. The temple is complete. The wall is complete. And last week, they gathered for worship. Today, we hear this, what, what ends up being uh, a retelling of the whole story of Israel from Abraham at the beginning all the way to the exile and the return that they're experiencing and everything in between. It's l- actually quite beautiful. I tried to figure out a way to read the entire chapter and chapter 10 in our gathering. Uh, it just didn't work out, but um, it's really quite beautiful. And, and it's the whole story, right? Everything that Israel had walked through, they hear it. Um, and so two observations I want to make from chapter 9. And as before I jump into them, if I'm honest, I'll say that like, these two observations are kind of smack dab in the middle of Christian theology. So if you're new to this story, or you're new to church, or you're new to Christianity, um, this is like the bread and the butter. This is the, the, the heart and soul of it. If you've been around the church for a while, this may sound very familiar to you. You may have heard other pastors or other churches that you've been to talk about these things. I don't know what that does for you. I don't know if that conjures up any memories or traumatic experiences or uh, whatever. But I want to ask you this morning to try as much as you can to hear them fresh, to hear them anew, right? So tune our ears, tune our hearts, open our eyes. Um, and, And I'm not that guy, wherever you may have heard this first, and this isn't that place. So Holy Spirit, what do you have for us? That's my invitation, okay? So the first, uh, first observation from chapter 9, which again is the retelling of Israel's history, is one thing that becomes clear if you read all the way through from front to, to back in chapter 9 is uh, God's faithfulness. This is a testimony to God's faithfulness. I won't bore you with all the details, but I'll just highlight a couple of the things that you hear in chapter 9. We began with, you alone, Lord, you've created everything. Paul says, in him we live and move and have our being. The Israelites, Nehemiah says, like everything around us, everything that you see, it's all yours. You made it. You've given it to us. You chose Abram. You brought him out of uh, the place that he was to the place where you led him. You saw the suffering of our people when we were in Egypt, and you heard their cry. God, you divided the sea, you sent signs and wonders, you came down on Mount Sinai and offered a word uh, that we captured in this book. You gave your good spirit to instruct us. I've talked about how the Israelites saw the Torah, like the first five books of the Bible, not as laws and regulation, but like the spirit, the presence of God in their midst. There it is right there, Nehemiah. You gave your spirit to instruct us. You didn't withhold manna from our mouths or quail. You provided daily for our needs. You gave us kingdoms and nations. You led us into this, this land that you promised. You made our children as numerous as the stars. Remember the promise that Abram and Sarai couldn't believe that they laughed at? You've done it. You did it. From heaven you heard them. When they cried out, you had compassion and delivered them. And it, and it kind of ends with, in all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully. So what we find is a testimony. A group of people 
through the prophet, stands up and says, this is what's happened. This is what we would testify to, and it's a testimony to God's faithfulness, God's presence, God's steadfastness. This last week, I, we, my wife and I, moved our oldest into their college dorm room, which, if you've ever done that before, brings up a lot of things. Uh, I had a, a session with my therapist this last week, and for whatever reason, I think because of some things happening, including moving my kid into their dorm room, I had this uh, experience of remembering something. I grew up playing hockey. Uh, that's played on ice. And uh, in the places that you play hockey, they call them arenas. Uh, now, if you've ever been to see a hockey game, maybe you've been to the wild, it's nothing like that, right? That's like 55 degrees, it's warm for the fans and the audience who's there, and, and there's like refrigeration underneath the sheet of ice, so it, it freezes from the bottom. Not in youth hockey, right? They keep those suckers as cold as they can get them. So you can go to, go to a, an arena to watch a, a youth hockey game, and it can be 10 degrees, maybe, 15 degrees. So when you go to watch a hockey game, you know, most parents will watch from the stands, on, on the side, and then they'll run to the warming room in between. Those are called the periods, first, second, third period. And they run in between intermission, and they come back out. I have this vivid memory of my dad, who has since passed. In 2020, he died. And in my session in therapy this last week, for whatever reason, this was brought to my mind. And if I close my eyes, I can see my dad. And he's standing down by, do you know what a Zamboni is? The Zamboni is the thing that like clears the ice. It has this auger that shaves the ice and then it has water in it and it lays down a fresh sheet of ice and then it freezes. So if I close my eyes, I can see my dad. And he, like every game I ever played, he's standing at the Zamboni doors because they heated the concrete underneath the Zamboni doors so it didn't freeze. My dad didn't know a lot of things, but he knew that. And he was the only guy. Every game I can ever remember, he's there, standing in front of those doors. I'd go down in the corner and muck it up with somebody, and he'd be banging on the glass. Come on, Opie, get him! That was my nickname, Opie. Andy Griffith Show, Opie Taylor, yeah. And my dad wasn't a lot of things, but in this one thing, he taught me a lot about what God was like. And he was faithful. And he was steadfast, and he stood in front of those doors every game I can ever remember playing. That's what God is like. The question for you this morning is, do you believe that's true? I can stand here and tell you all the things that I think the scriptures are saying and all the things that I think God is, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a lick if you don't believe it as true. If you don't believe it is true. It has no impact on your life. But if you do, if you choose to step out in faith and trust that that is real and true, it has the capacity and the, the possibility to change the outcome of your life. If you understand the divine God, the spirit that made everything, how they started this passage, that that God is faithful and steadfast and does not leave, changes everything. Second observation I want to make from this text is, that these people who wrote the scriptures, the prophets, the psalmists, the wisdom writers, they knew a God where the answer is always yes. In chapter 9, we hear this history of Israel, and it includes the failures of the people. 
where they didn't stand up to their, where they didn't live into their end of the bargain, where they forgot, where they turned their backs, where they closed their eyes, where they shut their ears to the word and the spirit and the movement of God among them. The prophets call them stiff-necked and hard-hearted at times. But what the prophet seems to know, deep in his bones, is that when we turn around, God is there. When we are honest, God is kind and compassionate. When we return, the word repent in Hebrew is shuv or teshuva. When we turn around, God is there, always. The answer, when we say, can I come home, the answer is always yes. One of the backbones of the Christian story that the, that the Bible is telling, that we find in the Bible, and that many who have followed Jesus over the centuries will tell you, will testify to, is that for God, when we ask, can we come home, the answer is always yes. There's a great story by C.S. Lewis called The Chronicles of Narnia, and in one of the books called The Horse and His Boy, there's a young boy named Shasta. Shasta, allegedly, apparently, is uh, raised by a fisherman in the country of Callerman, and he finds out that he's going to be sold into slavery by his father. And he meets a horse named Bree, a talking horse from Narnia. And, Nar- and Bree and Shasta concoct this plan to escape. And so they leave. They go north to Narnia. And along the way, they have these weird, fortuitous uh, uh, meetings with lions and like tigers and large cats that sort of lend themselves to a better, a more fortunate situation for them. Come to find out in one of the most stunning passages in all of the Chronicles of Narnia, they find out that it was Aslan all along who was leading their way. But at the end of the story, uh, the horse and his boy, Shasta learns that in fact, he is not the son of a fisherman. That the world that he believed was true and real, that he lived under with no questions and, and, and just assumed that it was true, in fact, is not true. He's not the son of a fisherman. He's the long-lost son, a twin, the eldest son, eldest brother of the king, Loon, who is the king of Narnia. And in a moment, everything changes because he believes a reality that is, in fact, true of him, which is that he's the son of a king instead of the son of a fisherman about to be sold into slavery. See, this reality, it existed all along, but he was unaware of it. And I think many of us walk through life living under a reality, believing that a reality is true, that we are this or that, when in fact we're not. We're sons and daughters of the king. And the answer has always been yes. In Christ, God speaks a word over all of creation that for God and that, that trinity that we call a being, the divine being, the answer is yes. So live in it. Say yes to it. Return to it. Affirm it as if it's real and true. And there are thousands upon thousands of people who have walked before us who will testify to the fact that that truth has changed their life. Because to be underneath the divine presence who has always said yes to you and received that is true, it's a game changer. So I don't know what you brought in here today. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what it is that you can't shake or can't fix or can't move away from or how lost you might feel or distant. The answer is yes. It always has been, it always is, and it always will be, at least from God. That's the reality that's true and real. Do you believe that? Which is a great segue into communion. This table that we've come to, 
for thousands of years, it is both at once a testimony to God's faithfulness and the declaration of divine presence and yes, for you, over you, right here today. So in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to come down the side aisles. We're going to make our way to this table, and I invite you to dip a cup into, or dip a piece of bread into the cup. As you do, you'll hear the words, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you, the divine word spoken over you, for you today. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And so when you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after dinner, he took a cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood, which is shed for you. When you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. This table is not mine. I don't own it, nor does the church. It's the Lord's. It's made ready for those who love God and those who want to love God more. Those of you who have tried to follow and those of you who have failed. Those of you who have been here a hundred times, a thousand times, maybe not for a long time or ever before. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. So I invite you on behalf of the Christ to come and receive of them this morning. Before we do that, I'll invite the band up. They're going to lead us in song as we do. And I'm going to invite any of the kids that are in the room. If you want a blessing of honey, you can make your way right down the center aisle. And we'll offer you some honey. And we'll say, may the word of God be like honey on your lips. And after the kids go, the adults are free to come to the table, but not before. So kids, if you want some honey, come on up and we'll do that. And then we'll come to the table as adults. One of the questions that the Israelites are asking in this chapter is, how did we get here? And that is a story of ups and downs, highs and lows, triumphs and failures. And if you would ask the question for Awaken, like, how did we get here? Um, some of you have seen this picture, but it began here underneath this tree. If you want to throw that up there, Colin. Uh, I sat on a lake and said, God, do you want me to plant a church? And what God said back to me is, what do you want? And I said, I want to start something that I can believe in and that I can be proud of and live in and that tests us to live by faith. And God said, I will be with you. And so that was the beginning, and now we're here. And like 13 years of history have happened, ups and downs, triumphs and failures, of which there are many. But I think one of the reasons or one of the things we could say about how did we get here is in part because of the investment of Melody Olson. Over the last few years, many of you have lived under her voice and in her voice and with her leading us. And uh, we want to take just the end of our gathering today to honor that and honor you. And you, everything that you have given and um, invested in our church and our community. So we have two gifts that we want to give you, Melody. Uh, the first of which uh, Vanessa Lucius is going to say a little bit about. So, Vanessa, if you would. Hello, but I, I want to give this to you. To, uh, I'll say quickly, this is from me and from so many others. Um, as a reminder, here, girl, I'll hand it to you. You can open it as I talk about it quickly. We had um, a surprise party for Mel on her last mingle, and we kind of just loved on her. And people shared funny stories and heartfelt stories and all sorts of things. So what Mel is holding in her hand is not a compilation of those stories, but even more. Um, photos and things that people submitted of just the ways that she has touched their lives and the ways that God has used her and her ministry. Um, so you can look back on them in years to come and remember that you, 
the, there is no denying the impact that you have had on this community, on this family. So, thank you. And my husband said, make sure everyone knows that you are standing on the shoulders of giants. This is from Mary Oliver and me. <laughs> May you resist the siren call to walk on your hands and knees through the desert repenting. May you tell of despair and listen of despair, but mostly, May you listen and tell to the call of the wild geese, heading home again, offering themselves to your imagination, over and over again, announcing your place in the family of things. May you love the soft animal of your body. May you love yourself, and may you forget yourself that you may love the world. May you embrace the darkness of your and all broken hearts, knowing in your bones that a heart, though broken, is always broken open. And once broken open, will never again close to this beautiful world. Mel, may all that is yet unlived in you take root, bud, and blossom into a new beginning, a beginning big enough for you and your wild and precious life. May you turn the blossom of your face towards the light of our praise, May your roots drink deep the nourishment of our tears, that we, your church family, may invest our prayers, our tears, our hopes, and our celebration in joyful affirmation of this next beginning. Would you, uh, if you are willing, extend a hand of blessing towards Melody. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen. 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 Blessings. See ya. I see.